to give just an overview of the care home and uh, how God used that during our time in South Africa, to give you an update or an overview of that. The care home that we were running opened up in November of 2011, and it was a a four-bed care home for HIV-AIDS patients. I think the last time we were here was in 2010, here out here at Seneca. And Heather did all the teaching and training for the caregivers, and so she trained them how to be able to uh, uh, work with all the AIDS patients that God brought to us. We had four caregivers and four domestic helpers that did the cooking and the cleaning. This is our caregivers when they had got their certificate of completion after they'd been trained. This is the inside of the care home where we had four beds. We could have um, for four patients at a time. And uh, our family here with our first two patients. And it was a, a real blessing to be able to show the love of Christ to these patients that God brought to us. Not only in our actions, but also in our words as we were able to teach them the word of God. Most of our patients came from the townships, which are outside the, the city that we live in. And there's a huge amount of poverty and need that's surrounding us just continually out there. There's a big difference between when you go from the city to when you drive 15 minutes and you get to the township. Uh, there's a vast difference in uh, economic level. I'm not sure, would it be helpful to be able to turn these lights off right here? Are you guys able to see this Okay. Okay, could someone kill these? There we go. You guys are you guys are awesome. All right. Some of the patients that we had come to us. Um, this lady here from disease, from the disease process was going blind, losing her hearing as the as the disease just slowly shut down her uh, her ability to be able to see and hear. Um, you know, she had three kids, and these are the. These are the kind of people that God was bringing us to be able to show the love of Christ to them. Some of the patients were AIDS patients. Some of the patients, like this one, were, they were not AIDS patients, but they were the grannies that were left caring for eight, ten kids that were, that, uh, were orphaned because of AIDS. So her daughter had AIDS and then passed away, and so she was then left to care for all the kids. And so... It was just as much of a help for us to be able to bring these ladies in to be able to get them back up to health so they could go home again and care for the AIDS orphans. So a lot of what Heather would do is doing teaching on how they could maintain their health. And uh, there was just a a great need for that. Many of the patients that came to us also were very sick. Uh, Heather would work with them on getting them proper nutrition and uh, getting them on the right medications and just to show them love. Sometimes the most uh, impactful thing that you could do for someone was to put your hand on their shoulder and to say you care for them. And that was very, very important to them. Uh, and it was exciting to be able to see many of the times, not always, but many of the times, this is the same lady, Tanda Zile, when she left us the first time. Since that time, she's, she would go and uh, she'd have times where she'd take her medication and then she'd stop taking her medication and since that time, she'd passed, she's passed away. But uh, it was a remarkable change from when she first arrived to when she left. Some more of the ladies that came to us. And everything we did at the care home was, was really an attempt to care for people physically and spiritually, seeing how we could be able to meet both of those needs. So five days a week, we had a Bible study with the patients and the caregivers. And when they were well enough, they'd come over to our church service. The care home building was right on the church property. So we'd wheel them over and they'd be able to come and sit in our church service with us as well. And also one of the exciting parts here was as we were teaching... The, uh, we also were teaching the caregivers how they could be able to turn around and do the Bible studies. So slowly, little by little, they'd start doing more and more of the Bible studies. Not all the time, but they were able to do them well enough when I was gone. And they were also knew the Bible well enough that when 
a patient had a question when I wasn't there, they could be able to talk to them and they could be able to answer the questions, which was very exciting because they knew the culture better and they would be able to answer and know the, the problems and the questions that these ladies would have. And so they did a great job doing that. Another one of our caregivers. This is the Thule, one of our caregivers. When she came to us, she was not a Christian. And it was just through the Bible studies that she came to the place where she trusted in Christ. Another lady, one of the patients that came to us. And uh, just before I move on, yeah, Thule had a lot of... Uh, a lot of problems when she came to us. And uh, there was problems with demon possession and all, all kinds of things that she, was, that she had, was coming out of. And the big thing that was most noticeable in her life was peace. When she came to a place where she trusted in Christ, coming out of that fear of demons and ancestral worship and the many, many things that Satan uses in other places in the world, to keep people in bondage. And the great thing that you saw when she was coming out of that was peace. That she was trusting in the Lord. And that she knew that her God was greater than Satan. He was greater than the darkness. And a lot of times in our, in our culture, Satan works very differently. So we don't see that as much. And so sometimes when we see it, it's kind of like, oh, no, it's just, it's just hogwash. It's, just, uh, it's all fake. It's just trickery. But it's not. Some of it is, but not all of it. And Satan works very, very differently. And they live in absolute fear all the time. He keeps them in bondage through fear. He, he uses different uh, smoke screens for our lives here. But, uh, but in their lives, it's fear. And so the big thing that we saw in, in many different patients was the move from being afraid to being at peace, where they were trusting in their Savior, and they didn't have to worry, and they didn't have to be concerned about, about what the spirits or the ancestors were going to do, because they were trusting in the Savior. Pilile was one of our patients that came to trust in Christ, and uh, when she came, she was trusting in Shimbe, which Shimbe was a, was a man that lived many, many years ago, and he claimed to be the Savior for the black people. And so he, so he turns people away from Jesus. He said, well, you know, Jesus is the Savior for the white people, but Shimbe is the prophet that was the Savior for the black people. So if you're if you're a, a Zulu person, you should be trusting in Shembe. As, and he takes the verse, says Shembe is the way. Instead of Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when she came, she was trusting in this Shembe. And we were able to take the time through God's word to show that our problem is a sin problem. We're separated from God because of our sin. And the only way that we can have that problem taken away is if we're trusting in a Savior that paid that sin debt, that died on the cross in our place. That's the only way that that sin debt's going to get taken away. So even though they were trusting in Shimbe, Shimbe didn't take away that sin problem. So they still had a sin problem. And she realized that she was trusting in the Shimbe, but he didn't have any power to save her. And the second part of that was, when Shinbei died, Shinbei died. Uh, he didn't get back up again. So how are you going to be trust? Uh, why are you trusting in someone that died that did not have the power to raise himself from the dead, let alone to raise you from the dead? And God used those those truths from His Word to open her eyes. And uh, one of the just part of the testimony that she had written when she left was, "I accept God. I can work for Him through thick and thin because I've noticed that." It, that my sickness is a step forward. He finds me while in need of being born again. I know God now and accept Him as my Savior. And so that was a very exciting time for us to be able to see a few of these people really articulate their trust. Um, most of them that we saw was more just a, they had a, a knowledge of Christ when they came to us, but their peace really changed when they were with us during that time. Our girls were also a great help. 
for the care home. They uh, always add a very special dynamic to being able to uh, connect with patients so, uh, and showing the love of Christ to them. So we enjoyed a lot our kids being a part of that as well. And this is just a picture of the, all the caregivers and the domestic helpers. In December of last year, we closed down the care home. What had uh, happened over the... We were open for two years, and our patient number started declining and declining and declining. We'd go two weeks, a month, six weeks without any patients. And so we had to redo all of our survey work all over again and find out, you know, is it something we're doing, or is it just something that's changing in the, in the community that, uh, of why patients weren't coming as frequently. And what had happened was, uh, a good problem, the, the drugs for the HIV virus had started becoming more and more available to people. And patients were not as acutely sick. So they're, they were still sick, they're still dying from AIDS, but the time when they were bedbound in that hospice state was getting shorter because of the, the availability of the, AIDS, of the medicine for AIDS patients. And so what that meant was when we first started, the hospitals were full up and turning people away. What it meant was now the hospitals were able to deal with the, the influx of patients that were coming in, so they weren't turning people away anymore. So if people could go to the hospital, they'd just go to the hospital. And so that, what that meant for us is that we didn't have very many patients. And a good lesson through, the, through all this that God is just, was teaching us is that you know, God, my plans are not your plans. Uh, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so far as my plans above your plans, and my ways above your ways. And prior to this, for about a six to eight, probably six, probably six to nine months prior to this, we had, one of the needs we had started to see, as patients would come into us, they'd come in and they'd say, you know, we're a part of this church. And then we'd start talking with them, and we realized they know, they don't even know like what these Sunday school kids know about the Bible. And they, these are adults that go to church. So, so that started to be a concern to us. And then we started digging deeper, and we started meeting some of their pastors. There's an example of this. I was preaching at, a, at an event, and I preached for, 50, for about 15 minutes, and another pastor preached for 15 minutes. And he was preaching out of the book of Isaiah. And he couldn't find the passage he was preaching out of. Someone else had to find it and read it, and then he proceeded to wax eloquent for about 15 minutes on this passage he'd never read before. So we realized, okay, maybe there's something here why the people that are coming to us don't know the Bible. Their pastors don't know the Bible. And they don't know how to, they don't know how to read it. They don't know how to study it. They don't know any of that. And so we started praying that God would be sending us someone to be continuing to teach, some, teach these pastors. We had one missionary that was, who's going to be retiring next, or in September, this September, and we needed someone to be able to continue that on, and and the need was huge. So we started praying that God would provide someone to be able to do that, because obviously we did not have the time to do that. Well, now we do. (laughs) Uh, God has different plans, and uh, so he has moved us into that role now where I'm doing pastoral training, and we're going to be, Heather's going to be moving into this part where she's going to be connecting and doing some more relationship buildings with the pastor's wives to help build into them. And so it's, it's a very new phase of ministry that two years ago we did not see coming. But God did, and he always has his plan for that. So it's, it's been an exciting road to be on, um, but definitely one just like the, uh, the passage this morning. Strength will rise as you wait upon the Lord. Um, as you trust in him, realizing that we don't have the answers. And we have to be able to walk step by step with him through those times and trust that he's the one that's going to make it succeed. That's not our power. This is a couple of the pastors I've been working with right now. Just a, uh, on, the, on the right-hand side is Clement with his youngest son, and then the other is Tembiso. And just a couple of cool stories uh, from these guys. Clement came out of a a Zionist church. And a Zionist church is, um, 
it mixes ancestor worship and the Bible. So when you talk to them, they, they worship God, they worship Jesus, they do all that. But when you start getting kind of below the surface, there's a lot of stuff down there. There's a lot of mixing ancestor worship, their traditional views, with the Bible. So they just kind of got, the Bible kind of got tacked onto it. And so when he was, he grew up in this, and just as an example of how they, they mix these things up, um, and they allegorize everything. The book of Ephesians, where it talks about the spiritual warfare and, and the spiritual armor, they, they use this literally. They have these sticks that they call their, their spiritual weapons. And if someone has the demon of alcohol, guess what they do? They beat the tar out of them with those sticks. And they have the, they have their, when they talk about being their robes of righteousness... They, they literally have robes. They have these white robes that if they're going to pray, they need to be wearing their robes of righteousness. And so they're trusting in these things. When someone dies, very, very similar to the, the Catholic tradition of um, indulgences, if someone dies, first part of this is you need to be, the church secretary writes a ticket to heaven, and that goes in your coffin. And so that when that person stands before the gates of heaven, they present this ticket and says, I, like for you guys to be, I am part of Seneca Community Church. <laughs> um, this is my ticket to heaven. And they do that for all the churches. And if someone was not a church member, your family member could cough up some money and they would still write a ticket, like a Catholic indulgence. Um, these, are the, these are the churches that are out there. And... God has been really opening doors for us. Clement came out of that, and from Clement taking a stand for faith, every single one of these other pastors that has come to us have come because of him. Because of his faith, because of him making a stand in the community. People from an hour's drive away, when they, when they, want, to, when they want to learn about the Bible, someone will say, oh, you need to go to Clement. He, he may not be able to teach you, but he'll be able to get you hooked up. And so every single one of our, our people have come through him. So if you want to pray for someone, pray for Clement. And um, God is really using him and his testimony, his stand of faith, to be able to bring, bring more people and to be able to uh, encourage others and to show that we don't have to be afraid. And he, and he made some very serious stands for his faith. One time when his dad was, his dad was the preacher before him, and, he, and Clement was the church secretary, and one time... When he was read, when he'd been reading through the Bible, realizing, okay, these indulgence things have, they've got to go. His dad put him on the spot at a funeral, and said, "Well, now this church secretary is going to write write the ticket." And he said, "Not going to do it." He said, "You could have." They, they were outside. He said, "You could, everything stopped. <laughs> the wind stopped blowing. Everything was quiet." And news like that travels very, very fast in those communities. So Clement's made some great stands in, uh, in trust in the Lord, and God's using that. Tim Biso, this other guy here on the left, another pastor, just as an example of his commitment to the, to the teaching. This was really exciting. The week before we came back, this is hard and exciting at the same time. Um, he showed up about an hour late for the teaching, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't, ma- couldn't be here on time. I didn't have any money for, for fuel. So he, what he did is he'd gone and he'd essentially begged from all his neighbors and someone gave him the equivalent of $5, 50, uh, 50 rand. And so he's like, so I used 30 of that to get fuel, 30 rand to get fuel, and I have 20 rand left for food tonight because he didn't have any food in the house. And just the commitment that these guys have to, to, to come and be taught the Bible. He sees that as that is important he would take his last $5 and use three for fuel and two for food. So we were, we were able to give him some, some extra for food there, but it was just a, a real touching for me to be able to see his heart in this. And that's how important he views getting taught the Word of God. Here's some other pastors that we've been, uh, been working with. One of, the, one of the pastors, when we were talking about going through the the, the chronological teaching 
And uh, he said, this, we can use this to uncover people's hidden beliefs. When he's talking about their, their beliefs in the ancestors. And uh, so it's exciting to see them really understanding how they can be taking the Bible teaching and applying it where they're at. One of the other pastors, he's, he, uh, he came back to, he told the, uh, the other missionary this, that he had been going through the teaching and one of the church members came up to him one week after the service. He's like, why are you preaching from the Bible now? <laughs> because before that, he would just get up and just, just talk. And uh, he, he told, told him, you know, you're making this a lot harder for me. I have to prepare now. Um, but it's, it's exciting to see what God's doing. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God will do in the future through this. Just some of the other things that been able to get involved in a little bit. Heather was, was able to get involved in an outreach for one of the Zulu churches. They had a medical, uh, a medical day where they would invite people in to get their eyes checked and their blood sugars checked and things like that, and using that as an outreach. And so she was able to come alongside and help them use her nursing skills for that. And in the future, there may be some other opportunities to come along Zulu churches and do things like this as well. One of the other things we, we did this past year was to get involved in the, the young adult, the, uh, teaching that about once a month for the young adult group of the church. And then once a week we go out to, this is out at Clement's house, he has a, a small school there, and our girls actually get involved in helping do some, do some singing do some, uh, some crafts, reading some books to them, helping them with their English, playing some games with them. And so this is one of the ways that our girls have also been able to get involved in a, in a little bit of an outreach and teaching a little Bible story. Uh, so that's been fun to be able to do that as a family as well. One of the other things that Heather's been involved in is starting to disciple a couple young ladies. And uh, that's been a, I think she does that, about, she does that twice a week now. And uh, so that's been good to be able to see and to build into these young ladies as, as, uh, as they're preparing for the future. A lot of the care home equipment, we were able to find a, a place to donate that at another Christian care home about five hours away from us. So we're able to, to uh, donate some of the equipment there. And then in the future, the plan is to be able to go out there and Heather will be able to do some teaching and training with them on how to be able to efficiently and effectively care for patients. So we look forward to seeing how the long-term connection there will grow. And this is uh, Ntebu with Heather. The, uh, the Ntebu is the lady that's starting the care home. Just some things our girls enjoy doing. They have their rhythmic gymnastics that they're involved in. So Heather homeschools, but they, uh, they enjoy uh, each day doing that, and they're involved quite a bit with that and have a lot of friends through that. All right. Just um, before the video start, we have a short video here, about seven minute video. And before that starts, just one of the, the analogies that God has really encouraged me with is that our, the ministry shift that has happened this, uh, this past year is Instead of, uh, when, a, when a Navy goes out, they have their flagship. They have the, the big flagship, and everybody sees that flagship. And, but nobody really sees the submarines down below. And each, each flagship is going to have a couple submarines supporting it. And the shift in ministry for us has been kind of like that. It's been from the big flagship to, okay, now we're kind of submarine. And we're coming alongside all these Zulu pastors. And they are the ones that already have the flagship ministry in their communities. And if I, kinda, if I try to rock up with another flagship in their, min, in their community, it's not going to work very well for them. But if I can come alongside, and Heather can come alongside the wives, and support them, they're going to be far more effective. And it's, it's been an exciting shift for us to be able to, to do that. And if we can help support and uplift and train and encourage seven Zulu pastors, that's seven churches. We can't plant seven churches. But if we can encourage and uplift and train seven pastors, that's seven churches that are, that are being equipped with the Word of God. 
And in a few more years, we can do it again. And in a few more years, we can do it again. And God's going to use that. And it's so exciting for us to be able to kind of take that submarine approach and allow these guys and build them up to be the leaders for many, many years to come. And uh, so this, this video here is just a overview, a little bit of an overview of what we're doing and a, give you an introduction to meet a lot of these Zulu pastors. So I'll let you, I'll go ahead and start that and uh, you can hear from them. My background, actually, I used to be in a Zion church. So in a Zion church, we used to uh, read the Bible. We did read the Bible, but we didn't understand <coughs> its meaning. They call themselves their ministries, their churches. When they evangelize out there, you find that the interpretation of the scripture is not correct. Yeah, maybe I can say is allegorical. Uh, uh, it's not literal. Uh, they're not interpreting the scripture as as it is, because behind they have a motives of making money. Some some of them some making themselves uh, known by the people, not letting not teaching the gospel because of revealing the mercy of God. And found him for a thousand years. Okay. So you see a few of your names? God is free. He doesn't need anyone to instruct him, to counsel him, to advise him. I thank God that through the Bible studies I was able to see that Jesus Christ alone is the true light of God. My mind was, it's open, uh, because especially Gary is teaching about theology, <laughs> the real theology. Uh, so I'm gaining a lot. And also in the story of hope, the teacher of story of hope is Kai. He was opening my mind, especially to how to read the Bible and how to interpret it. Uh, I'm, I was gaining a lot. Actually, I'm gaining. So we need, we need more time. We can see how things developed from the beginning, and how God created things and how things are. And we can easily understand deeper things when we come to the New Testament. Uh, whereby we derive our salvation through Jesus Christ. I've been able then to, to help other uh, pastors who are my friends, <coughs> uh, who are still carrying sticks as they want to use the scripture from the Ephesians chapter 6 that is uh, talking about spiritual armor. So they carry sticks instead of the spiritual armor that is uh, uh, represented there in the book of Ephesians. And they do like uh, to make a cycle and burn incense instead of just praying straight to God, as Jesus said. They've taught us the best way of preaching the gospel to all kinds of people. Namely, those who do not know uh, God as the creator of heaven and earth. And to those who worship God and idols. If you get uh, some lessons like this one, uh, give me a, a, a big point to 
go to fish. It is possible to bring more people to South Africa because as we walk uh, through the, the South Africa preaching the gospel, we find that even myself, that we need more information. How much more the people will not attend me? So I would like to uh, invite anyone who is uh, willing by God's will uh, to not hesitate to come to South Africa uh, because we've got a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, a uh, lot of other pastors that will need your help. Uh, so I'll, I'll be praying for you. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'd like to thank God for <coughs> uh, helping me to understand the scriptures, uh, especially uh, Pastor Carl uh, Faran and his family. I would like uh, to uh, express my gratitude to our American churches for sending these or those missionaries, Gary uh, and Kai, uh, during this time of need. Hey, to me, it, it is a such blessing to have uh, people like Gary, Kyle, and also Joshua, even when the Joshua is not yet now. Um, I've been, my mind was, it's open. We do appreciate you guys' prayers and support. As, uh, as you can see, even the, uh, the pastors there really are so appreciative of your involvement, and, uh, and they understand that, and they have a real desire to, to know God's Word and a real passion for that. So they're very thankful for that. I just want to share a couple things that God's been encouraging my heart with. Share three different things from from Timothy, and I'm just gonna land, I'm gonna land on the last one. I just want to touch on these a couple of the things real quick from Second Timothy. As we work with these pastors, we have three three main goals that uh, we're trying to accomplish with them. And uh, these are kind of touched on in the book of Second Timothy. The three goals that we have with with these pastors is teaching them the Word of God so that they truly, truly understand it. The second part of that is teaching them to think critically how to be able to take the Word of God and teach it and use it in a way that other people can understand it. Not just having head knowledge, but actually being able to take that and really understand it and not just be able to spout facts. And then the third part of it is a holy life. The application of God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what the first part of what we're do, the training is we're trying to equip them for, the, for good works. We're trying to give them the Word of God so they know God's Word and then that they could turn around and then be able to explain and teach that. Which 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that component of critical thinking, of taking 
the false teachings of Satan and being able to combat those with truth, to be able to think through, okay, how does God's word apply to this situation and think through that in their situation? And then the third part is the holy lives. And uh, the past couple of years, God's really, really been challenging me on this. And uh, this verse here really changed my perspective, I think, on holiness. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21. If you, rem- if you remember nothing else from this, you can remember this. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if, you can underline, underline that in your Bible, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So what he's saying there is that if we want to be a vessel for honor, we need to be growing in holiness. We may still be a vessel, but it may be for something dishonorable. God can still use us, irregardless of our holiness or not. But, if he, but he saves specific works for his servants that are growing in holiness. And the more we grow in holiness, the more cleansed we will be, the more of a vessel for honor we will be for his use. It's not that we strong-arm God, but that God is looking for certain kinds of people to do his work. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching for those whose heart is completely His. And, again, we don't strong-arm God. We can't, if we can't say, well, if I do this, then God has to... No. But God is looking for a certain kind of person. And He wants us to be growing in holiness so that we will not get in the way of His greatness. When God sends out... When a king, if a king were to send out an ambassador who was preaching and telling the people what they were to do and giving the commands of the king and then at night was disobeying those same laws, what would that do to the glory of the king? It would greatly diminish it because the people would see, well, the servant doesn't even follow the king. Well, the king can't be that great. It is so important that we, as God's servants, grow in holiness day by day by day because that's where we show our faith and we live out what we believe. And as we work with these pastors, one of the greatest things that we can be teaching and encouraging and challenging them on is on their holiness, living out the Word of God, knowing it, but living it out. An interesting part here in These two verses were in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 17, it says that they're equipped for every good work. In this verse, it says prepared for every good work. We can be equipped and have all the mental knowledge that we know from God's Word. And you've met people like this, haven't you? you? They know lots of answers, but their life is a wreck. They're equipped but they're not prepared. It's like the guy on the couch that can't get off the couch, but knows all about the football. He's equipped, man. He's got the mental know-how. He's not prepared, though. He's not, he's not going to run that. Uh, it's going to be a bad thing. Um, we need both. We need to know God's Word. We need to be equipped. But we also need to be prepared. And our life, our life is so important. And one of the things God's just been hammering me over and over with is, and an example on this one, uh, just an analogy that God's challenged me with, is that very similar to a, a marathon runner. Many times in my life, I've kind of seen holiness from this aspect of, okay, you need to be holy because our eternal reward is based on this. It's kind of like a marathon runner. 26 miles is a long way off. And some days it's easy to slack off a little bit, you know? It's... I, this, this holiness today, well, you know, I can, I can make it up over the next little while. It's in the grand scheme of things, slacking off a little bit now is not that important, right? But in this passage, God's really challenged me with the idea of a mile marker goal. Because while it is true that, and we should have as our goal, our eternal reward in heaven, which is based on our holiness, there's also 
these verses that remind us that as, just as a mile marker, when a, when a marathon runner is chugging along, and they, there's a mile marker there, and they know that at each mile marker, they have to make a certain time. And if they don't make a certain time at those mile markers, at the end of the race, they're going to be way behind. And this verse reminding us that holiness today, or no holiness today, no usefulness tomorrow. If we want to be useful to the Master, our holiness is very important. And so when we, when we are unholy, when we, when we choose to sin and we're choosing to break that, that fellowship with God, we're sacrificing our usefulness tomorrow. Not just long, long way off, but tomorrow our usefulness is impaired as we break that fellowship with God. It has daily impact, not just in the future, but now. And those mile marker goals, when we're faced with those, with those sin temptations to say, not just losing future, future reward, which is true, but you're, you're going to take your usefulness to God, and you're, you're going to ch- choose to be the unholy vessel versus the holy vessel. And that's what we choose when we sin. We're saying, eh, I don't really want to be that, that clean vessel. I want to be this one. And remember Moses, when Moses struck the rock? Because you dishonored me. You're not going to enter the land. There are ramifications for that now, when we choose that. And God loves to take... Think about the servants that God used throughout the Bible. He uses the Moseses, the Davids, the Isaiahs. People that were... whose heart was completely his. It wasn't that they had great skills... Moses was not a great orator, but God chose, chose him to use him. It was God's plan, but there were certain characteristics about Moses and, and his humility, and about David and his heart and his passion for God. We need to become those kind of people so that God can use us as his servants to show his greatness. And uh, one of the great things that we enjoy doing is challenging these pastors, challenging myself, and as well as challenging these pastors, we need to become these kind of people. We need to become holy servants before God so that God will use us in great ways and that we don't get in the way of His glory and we don't detract from that by our sin when we choose to go after sin instead of go after His Word. We choose to trust Satan instead of trust God, which is what we do every time we, we go after sin. We choose Satan's promises instead of God's promises. And I just encourage you as, you, as you think about us, pray for us that God will be using us to challenge these pastors and that God will take his word and that he will be building them up, equipping them in the word of God, but also preparing them that they will be useful servants to proclaim his word to the, to the people around them. We do thank you guys for your prayers in that. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer, and uh, then I'll turn it over to Scott. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a good God, that you are a great God, and that you have given us the privilege of knowing you and of living a life that demonstrates that faith to others. And I pray that you will day by day be growing us in that faith. And that as we do that, Lord, I pray that you will be using that faith to shine brightly to others. Pray that we won't get in the way of that. And that we will not detract from that. But that you will help us to walk day by day, growing in holiness. That you will be seen as great. We pray for these pastors in South Africa, that you will be teaching and growing them, drawing them close to yourself and using them to be a light and a testimony for many years to come, for many other people that we could never reach, Lord. I just want to pray for the church here, that you will be blessing them as they um, move into a new season with a new pastor. pray that you will be blessing the work, that you would be growing them daily in grace, and that you would be seen as great here in this community. We want to pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. I'm going to leave you with one last illustration to think about as you as you think about your
personal holiness. Just an illustration that, that uh, kind of put things into perspective a bit for me as I was thinking about the, the idea of an undivided heart as you walk with God. God. God's wanting someone whose heart is completely His. And I know this is, none of you have probably ever done this, but when you have guests, or when you know that a guest is coming over and you have like about two minutes and a whirlwind happens in your house and everything that used to be in your living room disappears amazingly, it vanishes. And you're, as someone walks into the house, the main, the main part of the, the house looks very, very clean. But all that stuff vanished into thin air, ended up in closets and under beds and in, in bathrooms, and it's all gone. And a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll do the same kind of thing with, with God. We invite Him into our hearts, we, or we invite Him into our life, and we say, okay, well, you can stay in the living room area, but just, just don't go into the, the bedroom and the closets. Please don't open the closets. And we keep all those doors closed. And what God wants to do with our hearts, He wants undivided hearts. He wants us to open all the doors in every part of our house. He wants to clean out under all the beds. He wants to clean out all the closets. And He knows that tomorrow there's going to be some more junk in there, but He wants those doors to stay open. Because He wants to keep cleaning it out. And He doesn't want us to shut those doors. He wants an undivided heart. And it's just, just as a challenge to you to think about what parts of our house have we closed off from God? Do we have rooms or closets that we've closed off and we're not letting God be a part of? And He wants to clean that out. He wants to work with us daily on that so that we would have undivided hearts before God. And then He uses us. He uses us in our brokenness. Doors are open. There's still brokenness in there. There's still sin. But He's cleaning out on a daily basis. And it's not stockpiling. He's, he's cleaning it out. There's still going to be dust. There's still going to be junk. But he's going to keep cleaning it out every day. And he wants that. That's what he wants. He wants an undivided heart so that he's able to clean through that mess that we pile up in there every day. And as, he, as we do that, we're useful. He, he, we, come before, we come before other people, not as people that are all put together, but as people that are in process and people that God is changing. And we can show our problems because God's working on them. And even, even the problems that God's working on highlight the grace of God, and they humble us at the same time. But I just want to challenge you with that, to think about that if, as you go away. Do you have all the doors open? And are you letting Him clean that out on a daily basis? Because that's what He wants to do. He wants to be growing us in holiness, and He wants to be having us with undivided hearts. And, and that is very, very important to God. And, and when we don't do that, we sacrifice our usefulness to Him. We, we hinder that usefulness to God when we allow our closets to stockpile with stuff that we're keeping inside. And so I just encourage you with that today. Open the doors. Let Him clean that out. And uh, it will allow us to grow in more usefulness to God. I'll turn it over to Scott, and we do thank you guys for this opportunity for us to be able to come today. Thank you, Kyle and Heather and family, for coming and sharing with us today. And I encourage everybody to be in prayer for the friends as they're starting their journey back uh, today and. Uh, tomorrow and just pray for their ministry and for the people of South Africa thanks again Kyle <clears throat> as we uh, transition over to our prayer and praise time does anybody have any praises or prayer requests they'd like to share okay Kurt has a back surgery next Thursday
you. Tammy uh, Pabolo? Okay, due on Friday? Okay. Okay. Anything else? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much um, for your love for us and for um, bringing uh, Kyle and Heather and family here today. And we just want to um, pour a special prayer on them as they're traveling back this week and just watch over them and um, help them to have safe travels and um, that everything would go smoothly and um, they would uh, get back in South Africa and get settled back down there. And we just pray for them and in, in their ministry there. Just uh, help them <coughs> help them to be effective in teaching the pastors there. And we just pray for the, the people there in South Africa, for the pastors and um, the other people that they come in contact with, that their hearts would be sensitive to you and that they would be able to um, learn more about you and that you would be able to help Kyle um, teach them and help them to understand better your word and how to uh, study it and teach it to other people. Uh, we want to bring uh, Kurt Emmons before you as he's going to be having back surgery next Thursday. We just pray, Lord, that you would guide the doctors and you would be with him through that time. Um, just help the uh, surgery to be effective and to correct uh, the issues that he's having with his back. And just pray that... <coughs> after the surgery that he would uh, recover quickly and he would <coughs> listen to the doctors and not try to overdo anything. Uh, we also think of Tammy Pavolo as she's um <coughs> due for a baby this week. We just pray that everything would go smoothly there and that the baby would <coughs> continue to develop and to grow and you would have a safe delivery f uh, for her. Uh, we also think of uh, Pastor Len and Hope as they'll be traveling back this week um, for their final Sunday next week. And also for John and Katie as they'll be traveling down here. And just give us a great service next week and continue to guide us and direct us as we um, look to the future and um, just uh, help us to be there for <coughs> our new pastor. And We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.